This is another hero story. In the face of resistance, stigmatization, and censorship, you tirelessly press forward, fighting for equal rights and against the scourge of sexual harassment. Before there even was a Me Too movement in the United States, you were already leading a similar campaign in China. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories. I used to feel that I am alone in China. I don't see so much encouragement, so much support. But now I know so many people are working in this field to fight for the equal rights, the gender equality in the United States. I met so many amazing speakers, and we had exchanged our content, our numbers, our emails. And I also met a lot of amazing women from different countries, from the whole Asia, even from Europe. So they're also working on the different fields. Some of them are police officers. Some of them are lawmakers, some of them are lawyers, some of them are journalists. And I can see, like, if we need help, everyone can be together. This week, rice plus bunny equals me too. Overcoming censorship and stigma and creating an international network to help women. Join us on a journey from China to the United States, shouting me too any way possible. It's 22.33. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. These exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them. They are people very much like ourselves. And that's what we call cultural exchange. My name is Sophia Huang Xueqing. I'm from mainland China. So I'm working as an independent journalist. At the same time, I'm also working as a project manager in an NGO, which promotes uh, LGBTQ and women's rights. The name of the program I'm attending now is the IVLP program. The theme is Promoting Peace and Security. I'm a journalist in China, so I used to work for the National News Service. I focus on um, investigative reporting. I focus on gender issue and women's issue. In 2016, I start to focus on sexual harassment. So, and later I do a report about uh, workplace sexual harassment of Chinese female journalists. So I had this report before uh, Me Too movement actually happened. So I was doing the report. This report got uh, 1,762 response. And most of them are female journalists. And a lot of them, more than 50%, told me that they were uh, suffer from different kind, different forms of sexual harassment before. And 50% of them never really come forward to tell anyone before. So they just keep silence. And 
And I was thinking that this problem is huge in China, but people just turn blind eyes to it. They don't want to talk about it. It's not something we will talk about even in our home. Our parents are not eager to talk about this topic. We don't get enough sex education from school. We don't get support from our family, our friends, even from the society or from the university. So it's time to spit it out. So when I had this report, I sent it to the mainstream newspaper um, magazines in China, and most of them just keep silent. Some of my former boss called me and said, oh, "Sophia, I saw your report. It's a really good report, and what you what you write in the report is true. It's what we happening here. But I can support you privately, and I." Admire your work, but I cannot support you in public. And they said, you know, it's not easy to talk about this topic in China. You also know that it's going to ruin the reputation of a journalist in China. So no one actually publicly support me. And then Me Too movement happened. <laughs> I saw, like, oh wow, see, in other countries, even in United States, I mean, people respect United States, admire United States as a dream come true, a perfect country, democracy, and press freedom. And like, okay, see, even in United States, they had case, but they face it so bra so bravely, and people come forward. So why, can, why we cannot come forward? So I was taking the pictures with Me Too slogan me too. So I'm trying to use this movement and try to promote me into China. So I took the pictures, I went on the street, I talked to people, explained to them what sexual harassment it is. Because I mean, a lot of people in China still don't know what sexual harassment it is at that time. And people are like, okay, mm-hmm, oh, I'm sorry you have been through this, but mm-hmm, okay, so that's all. And a lot of female friends, journalist friends, told me that they also suffer from different sexual harassment, but they cannot come forward because they already become a mom, a wife. They had to concern about their children, how they will feel about her. And they had to concern about the older generation, like mother-in-law, father-in-laws, they don't encourage them to come out. Actually, there's one friend, very good friend of mine, uh, she said, Sophia, I would like to go for go with you and go to the street to talk to people. And the night before she came, I got a call from her mother-in-law. She said, Sophia, I respect your work, but please don't drop my daughter into this. Don't ruin my reputation of my family. Please let me go. So I was upset at that time, very disappointed. But there is a one very brave woman who graduated from Beihang University. So she came to me, she wrote to me, she saw the report. She emailed me like, Sophia, I want to tell my story. I saw you, you are not just telling your story, but you're helping more women to tell their story. At the same time, you are not anti-men. You want to promote an anti-sexual harassment mechanism into campus and into uh, workplace. So you are doing something more than just telling your story and I want to join you in this movement. She was sexual harassed by a professor, very well-known professor, 
12 years ago. And then she is not the only victim. And we got like six more victims, all female students in the same university. So they come forward and we collect the evidence, like the evidence, like the text message, the pictures, the professor forced them to dream wide with them. And also we buy the pen recording. So we record the dialogues. Uh, the professor said, oh, be my be my girlfriend. I want to see your naked picture or let's have sex. They are so shy. I mean, I released, I wrote about their story. I helped them to do the investigation. So we collect the evidence, we write the article, and we publish the article in the new year of 2018. The first day of 2018 means a fresh star. We wish our country we will have a, a new star because in China you will always say like Happy New Year and everything start fresh, start something new. Two days we get five five thousand million hits, like the readers. There's so many people reading the news. It spreads like wildfire. Everyone's watching the news and seeing, talking about this. What sexual harassment? They cannot believe that sexual harassment happened in campus in such a famous professor and happened in the female student who are also very well educated. They get doctoral degree. People started to talk about it. More and more cases come out after this case. Uh, I think until now, we have more than 100. They wrote their letters and they, they named the person. I wrote a uh, open letter or we also call petition. So we got 8,000 signature for 94 university in one day. So we send this open letter to the authority, to the Ministry of Education and to different university, the, who, the students who join us and send these letters to the universities. So after two weeks, the uh, Ministry of Education in China finally agreed that, oh, we are going to study about sexual harassment. We are going to introduce this anti-sexual harassment mechanism into campus. So we send a lot of articles we collected from United States, from Harvard University, uh, from Ohio University, from different universities, from different country. We have all the materials, so we send it to them like, okay, you said you want to study it. You said you want to introduce this law, this anti-sexual me mechanism, so please study it. This is what we need. And then things going really well. But you can know that it's still happening in campus. I think the government or the authority get concerned about that. So they censor our article. So my personal account and my personal social media was blocked at that time. But it's fine now. It become quiet for a while because of the censorship. No one can see news about sexual harassment anymore, right? So they turn down all the articles. After a few a few months, we wait and we have more cases in workplace, like NGO field, a media field, or in other field. So a very famous anchor, if you, you saw the news in China, you can see her, uh, his name is Zhu Jun. She, uh, he is a very famous anchor and journalist from CCTV. There's a girl said that she was sexual harassed 
uh, him four years ago. So it become a huge news again. So the censorship doesn't work well. <laughs> the people we are using different kind of slogans and Chinese character. So if you try, you you find me too in China might be very little news about that. But if you rise, uh, rise. Bunny me means rice, and the similar sound like me, and two means bunny. The sounds are familiar, uh, is similar like me too. We use me too, and then there will be a lot of articles like that. So we kind to run away from the censorship. There are more news coming out, and people keep talking about sexual harassment, me too movement. I write a story. I promote this movement. I or I do the report. I also uh, work with the NGOs. So we had the NGO which connecting the victims with the lawyers. If they want to make their case to the court, we connect them with lawyers who has a better sense of gender equality, who has a better sense about women, and we also connect the victims with the uh, with psychologists because a lot of them suffer from PTSD. It's very serious one, and. So we also connect them with social media when they want to share the article in public, and we also connect them with social workers when they need some other service from different kinds of people. So, this I think what I did here is not done by myself. It's a group of people are doing that. A lot of people get involved. So I was thinking, like, why they choose me? I'm not a really leader. I don't think I am leader. But people said that you are a leader. So maybe it's kind of destiny to choose me to be here. So it's kind of like we are trying to build a network, a supporting network for the victims to come forward to speak their story, to share what they have been through, and to make it a better place for us, or for women, or for men, all the people, all the victims coming together to share the story. So I met a lot of people in doing this feel like fighting for women's rights, for LGBT rights, and focus on the victims, especially sexual harassment. So I actually learned a lot from here. When we visit the department of、uh, the police department in Des Moines, and they had a special section, a family conflict section. They had twelve. Policemen focus on domestic violence,、uh, sexual harassment, rape, and those policemen are specially trained. And I ask, what do you mean by specially trained? They mean they send them to the university to start to get more knowledge about sexual harassment, about domestic violence, about gender equality, about the、uh, different kind of violence.、Uh, some gender-based violence, some are not. So they get they have more. They have better understanding about these, so they are specially trained. They are victim centers. They are they they were helping the victims, not just because it's very difficult. It, it very surprised me because it's so difficult for Chinese women to come forward to go to the police station to report a case. If you don't have a good sense about gender. About the victims, it's not easy to make case. They just accuse the victims. Why you do this? Why you do not do this? So I was like so surprised to see in Des Moines they train these investigators or 
policeman. I, I feel like this is what I want to bring it back to China. I want to tell if I have a chance, I, I can talk to the police station like this. Is what we should do because less than two percent of the victims will go forward to report to the police station, according to my report. Because we are hurt, we still digest what happened to me. Sometimes, right? We don't really know how to respond immediately. We don't know whether they are going to trust to believe me or not. Are they going to ask me to provide more evidence? So this is also the problem when we are talking to the policemen here in Des Moines. They said, like, yes, not a lot of victims have come forward, but they absolutely will choose the will try to believe the victim and will try to collect as more evidence as possible to support them. So this thing I will definitely bring back to China. It come to me is a mom, you know, a mom who had the organization names Moms Demands Action in Des Moines. She was telling us, telling, sharing us her story. Like uh, she used to be a very successful businesswoman. She had a happy life. She had two kids. And one day in 2010, I remember, if I'm not wrong, so there's a gun shooting in the uh, school in their community. She was shocked. Because she has kids go to the same school, so she's like, "Oh, what God? What can I do?" She said, "I can't live back to my normal life. Just ignore or move to somewhere else." But she think, "No, I cannot do it because even in some place else, she cannot predict that whether it will have a gun shooting again. She's so afraid that." Her kids will be in danger. So every day she drop her kids to the school. She will keep kissing them and say, "I love you, I love you, I love you." Every every day, every moment, like so afraid that this will be last time for her to to say that. And she want to say do more. Even she was upset, she was disappointed. She transformed all this anger or sorrow or sadness into action. She she connecting a lot of moms in the community, and they talked about what they can do about this guy, this gun violence in United States. So they had built a network, started with a group of moms, and then they had three thousand women join this. This NGO or what we call a network, so they are,、um, and they know that it's impossible to ban gun in United States. Behind it is a huge money, and yeah, so so she knows the the problem, and she approached this issue with a different strategy. So she said, like, okay, then we don't ban guns, but we are promoting. Trainings for you to how to use gun safely, how to lock your gun in your home in case your children has a chance to use the gun. They also like providing a lot of、um, uh, workshop for the victims. I mean the victims who has been suffer from gun gun violence. So they also suffer from PTSD. So to help them, I think this has really come to my mind. Like okay. You are hurt and you are angry, but women suffer this, and we transform all this emotion into real action and make a difference. Do something to change and make it better for the society. I feel like oh wow, you see women really suffer, but we really just be strong again. 
and then we we know the issues there. We cannot really ignore it anymore. So we had to take action to change. Yeah, that's the moment I feel so impressive, and it really touched my heart. We learn some good things here, good advice here, and we will try to make it fit into Chinese law. That that that's the bigger part I I will do and I want to do. And I already connected with a, a lot of lawyers. They are also pushing this law. We keep writing articles, writing petitions. Like also keep asking them like, when are you going to have these meetings with us? Because they promise like, oh, we will have meetings with you, and then this and that. So this is one thing I will do. And the other thing, still building this network for the victims, like the. Workshops, the training workshops. We actually had some already, and I think the good things I learned from United States, like raise the bar program, that also can work in China. So I'm going to do it, and、um, I'm working with a lot of universities right now. Like they are also studying about this anti-sexual harassment mechanism, how to do the prevention, how to do the training. I'm going to do a, another petition soon for the media, an open letter for the media. Ask the media to report sexual harassment fairly to respect the victim. Yeah, I'm going to do that soon, my next next week.、Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I get a lot of support actually from Asia country. They say, oh, journalists from Asia. They say, oh, we also want to do it. To our media, we also want to join your petition. Can we join? Can we sign our name? Do you have Chinese version? Now I have Chinese version. They ask, do you have English version? I would like to bring it back to my newsroom. I would want to bring back to my workplace. Can you send me this report? I want to know more. So I was like taking my, I I took twenty copies of the hard hard copy of my report. Now I have only one here. <laughs> so it's like everyone's so eager to offer offer help. Even the speakers in the United States and the professors or the mayor, she was like, oh wow, what can I do? Like what can I do for you? What kind of support you need? So everyone offering to help each other. So I think with this network, we really can do something. I mean it. I'm not just saying like oh because I'm here, <laughs> yeah because I'm here. I'm so happy to see so many people are working on the same subject. We are working on the same thing, promoting peace, security, and then equal rights. That's very important. We say it, but if you don't really live in a world without equal rights, you don't really know how it feels. To really bring all this amazing lady together, and let us know more about different country. Yeah, I know about China. I don't know a lot about other country. But when they share their difficulties, their challenges, I feel like we are the same. And and if we know more about each other, we have a better understanding. There will be less conflict happening in this whole world. So yeah, in, an Indian friend, Indian fellow asked me like, "Hey, why you China want to control everything?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh what? I did not control everything." <laughs> and then,、uh, and she also went to ask the Pakistan like, "Why you want to cause so many problems <laughs> into our country?" <laughs> I feel like okay. And then, but when we are together, we are as a family and friends. So next time when I come,、uh, when I come back to China, share something about United States or something about India, I have someone to talk to. I will share the real person there, share her story and her 
problems and her achievements and her work in that country. And that's something really linked us all together, connected people. So I feel like this opportunity is really amazing. Twenty-two thirty-three is produced by the Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name is Christopher Worst. I'm the director of the Collaboratory. Twenty-two thirty-three is named for Title Twenty-two, Chapter Thirty-three of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. This week, Sophia Huang shared her experiences from her IVLP program. For more about IVLP, which stands for International Visitors Leadership Program, and other ECA exchange programs, check out eca.state.gov. You can subscribe to 2233 wherever you find your podcasts, and we wholeheartedly encourage you to do so. And you can write to us if you like what you're listening to at ecacollaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Very special thanks this week to Sophia for her inspiration and her stories. I did the interview and edited this episode. Featured music was Step In, Step Out, and Algia Trio by the Blue Dot Sessions, Alexandra by Lostana David, and Fragile Do Not Drop by Poddington Bear. Music at the top of each episode is Sebastian by How the Night Came, and the end credit music is Two Pianos by Tagirlius. Until next time.